Thank you guys so much for that. Lord, thank you. Uh, I, I just love to be reminded of your greatness. And uh, I was telling the guys in our first service when I went out and uh, late at night a couple times this last week when the sky was clear and I saw your stars just sparkling in that black sky. And, and I got to tell you, a couple of your sunsets this week were some of your best. And just to see your creation alone is such an incredible reminder to me of your greatness and your awesomeness, your perfection, your beauty. Thank you, God. And then, you know, to think that you go from this uh, extravaganza of creation, uh, but you come close enough to put our very breath into our lungs, that you know us that personally. God, we're thankful and, and we're in awe of who you are. Um, and so today, God, meet us here. We need you. We need to hear fresh from you. Uh, and so we invite you to kind of take control of this hour and speak to us and encourage us today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Yeah. Oh, that was fantastic, guys. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Seriously. We've been enjoying uh, a, a new series uh, just this last couple of weeks. I think Jeremiah mentioned it uh, on questions that Jesus asked. And uh, I told the gang last, last week that there are about 130 questions, actually, that Jesus asked in Scripture. Um, and most of those questions are actually rhetorical. So he's not like asking a question and asking for a concrete answer. He's asking a question, right, that makes us think like, oh my gosh, and he kind of helps us go deep inside about things that actually matter, right? Jesus was a master of that. In fact, all throughout Scripture, those people that didn't really appreciate him very much always were trying to corner him and get him into trouble by asking trick questions to him. And he would quite often do what? Come back with a question. And uh, so today, we're going to look at another one. And we thought since it's Thanksgiving week coming up, it'd be appropriate for this one. But the name of this question, as you saw, is where are the other nine? Uh, now, this is from a story that's kind of a famous story, one of the things that Jesus uh, was part of in Scripture. We're going to talk more about it, but it was a place where he healed ten men, but only one came back to say thanks. And so he, at one point in the story, he asked, hey, what about the other nine guys? Weren't there ten? Right? And so we're going to be diving into that. So, anyway, speaking of Thanksgiving, uh, we're going to have Thanksgiving at our house this year. Anybody doing that? Some of you? Three of you? Is everybody going to Florida or something? Okay, here we go. Ten of us. All right. Uh, well, anyway, we've done this a lot at our house. I, I don't know. Over the years, Callie and I have hosted either Christmas or Thanksgiving a ton of times. And uh, let me tell you what. She has to work her butt off to pull this off. Right, ladies? It's a lot of work. Uh, but I'm, I get to be part of it, too. I mean, I'm always engaged. Uh, my job is usually doing the floors and the bathrooms. That's kind of my thing, right? Yeah, you're right. But, but anyway, this is kind of how it's gone down in the past. So like for this year, though, we have, uh, we have seven kids. Six of those are going to be there. Two spouses, uh, two grandkids, uh, my dad and his wife, my brother Mike, who is, I think is here, uh, and he's got five kids. Four of them are going to make it, so that's another six. So total, anybody know what that number is? <laughs> Eighteen. We're going to have 18 people at our house. And so super looking forward to it. But we've had a lot of people at our house, and it kind of goes like this. You get done, and it's amazing, right? I mean, well, most of the time it's pretty amazing. It's a lot of fun having the people over. And you get done, and you're exhausted. So I'm like, wow, Callie, you know, we'll be cleaning up the final dishes. And 
you know, it was good, but man, you know, so that was awesome. I'm exhausted, but not that exhausted. What do you think, honey? You know? And she's like, are you nuts? She goes, have you even, do you even know what I did for your family this last day? <laughs> have you never said one word about it? And I'm like, I, well, I was pretty sure I was doing the bathrooms and the, you know, I'm like, but I thought back and not one time did I say, hey, honey, thank you so much for this is a huge deal. Just didn't say it. Now, I'm sharing that story for you dudes, okay? Because you're going to do this this weekend. Don't screw that up. Okay, I'm telling you, I'm giving you a heads up because you're going to pay for like four or five days or weeks or, yeah, whatever if you don't. So anyway, that's just a heads up. But we're going to have a blast. But this is the thing. I, I tell that kind of stupid story um, because all of us can be prone to forget to be thankful. We just can. We're just doing life. You've got a lot of stuff going on. And it's really easy to forget to say thanks. Now what I want to do is read one verse of scripture to you before we kind of look at the story of the ten guys. Because here's the thing. I really believe that gratitude, the heart of gratitude is a choice. Would you agree? It's a choice. But to kind of make that choice, you really have to be coming from a right mindset. You have to be in a right place and an understanding and I want to just give you uh, one, one scripture that I think will really help. And I love this verse. It comes from the book of James. James, the brother of Jesus, says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. Every, th- just think about that for a minute. Everything that you love, okay? If you've got something you're wearing you love today, maybe it's new. You're driving a car you love. You've got a house. You've got a spouse. You've got kids. You've gone on vacations. You've visited places. Your job has them exciting. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. And so if that's true, if we can kind of get our mind around that, that's why we sang the song we sang at the beginning of the service. And that's why we do that a lot. We start our services at a lot here. You probably notice that it's on purpose. Because like, I don't know about you, but white life is hard, man. I got a lot of stuff going on. And for me to be able to step off that treadmill of life and get a mindset that says, oh my gosh, I got this job over here, but you made the sky like those sunsets. You created me and everything in this world. Oh my God, whoa. Okay, new perspective. And so just to know the truth that everything that's good that you've ever tasted, ever experienced, comes from him, comes from God. It's a beautiful place to start. Now I want to just jump right into the story, okay? Luke 17. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Now remember, Samaritans were what? They were kind of a half-breed in that culture, and the Jewish people despised them. So Jesus kind of makes this point. Hey, you know the guy that came back and actually, like, Hey, said thanks. He was a Samaritan. 
Jesus asked. Were not all ten cleansed? Here's the question of our day. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So what I want to do is I want to go back. We're just going to unpack this story and look at about three principles from the story that I think would be really helpful for us. It was really great for me just kind of going through this slowly and seeing what's really in this. I think it's pretty important. It's almost like a recipe, I think, for a grateful heart. Okay, ready to go? Here we go. So let's go back to the beginning. Jesus is on his way to Samaria. And he passes by some lepers. Remember, lepers is that horrible disease that the priest, the Jewish priests, would declare that you are unclean. You had to be completely separate from all of society. You couldn't talk, you couldn't be seen, you couldn't be touched. And so they were separated from him. And they, they, it says they stood at a distance. Chris Zarba, our teaching pastor at the Clinton Township campus, was in Israel this last year. And he got this picture of a hillside that would be right on this place where Jesus was talking. And it's very possible that the lepers could have been hiding in one of those caves, living in those caves, because that's often what they would do. In that terrain, there's lots of caves around, but they had to find some place where they could have shelter. They had to be completely separate. So if you could picture Jesus walking down this path and hear, hear these guys yelling, they'd be yelling from one of these caves, hidden in the dark. Isn't that amazing? You've got to understand what a big deal this is. And I've got to tell you, I was thinking, for us, how, how does this apply to us? You're like, okay, that's a, you know, you always think about, okay, Bible stories, people wearing bathrobes and stuff. Okay. I thought, you know, as I was thinking about this, I said, you know what? We live in caves. They look different, though. I thought, what about you guys are in school? What's it like to go to school if you've got a month or two that the friendship thing's not happening and you can't fit in and people are making fun of you and ostracizing you don't want you to be part of their community does that sound familiar sound like lepers and you have to walk into that building with 1500 kids you feel like you're in a cave if you're not you want to go find one how about those of us like bob keesling in the video a lot of us in this room are struggling with some kind of an addiction. Maybe it's private. Maybe it's completely private. Again, you see the comparison? Completely isolated, in a dark place, hiding. I was thinking about, for those of us who have special needs kids, man, that's a really interesting thing to live. Because people love you, but they don't know how to interact with you. And they're nervous that they might say something wrong. And so unintentionally, they kind of leave. And all of a sudden, there you are, alone in a cave. Some of us are reeling from divorce and other relationship problems where the brokenness has left you feeling isolated and ashamed, potentially. That's, we all have a tendency to find ourselves in caves. Depression can feel like a cave, can't it? But the lepers did an amazing thing. And this is what I'm saying. I said, there's a little bit of a recipe. So interesting. When you think about being thankful, what did the lepers do? From a distance, when they were separated, completely separated, they cried out 
for help. That's a huge deal. I, when I saw that at first, I thought, oh my gosh, I think this maybe is more important. Because you know what's a prerequisite to, re- to giving thanks? I just gave you the answer almost. You have to receive. Think about it. You can't give, you don't give thanks to somebody unless they what? They gave you something. All right? So if somebody comes up and says, hey man, you look awesome. You go what? Thanks. Why? Because they gave you a compliment. If you get a Christmas gift from somebody, thank you so much. You don't thank people if they haven't given you something. Do you realize if you're in a cave and you're all alone and you don't cry out to help to give somebody an opportunity to give to you, how can you give thanks if you're isolated and alone? You see that? So surprisingly, ironically, I think the first step to being thankful is actually being humble enough to reach out and ask for help so that you may have somebody to thank in the end. I I didn't see that coming when I first started looking at that. I thought that was really interesting. From a distance, cry for help. Let's go on. According to the Old Testament, okay, the lepers, like I mentioned, were declared unclean by priests, and if you became clean, you had to go to the priests again, and they had to declare you clean before you could enter back into society. And so Jesus said, that's why he said to them, right, go and show yourselves to the priests. Okay, that's why they did that. Now, here's the thing I don't want you to miss again. This is where it's so fun to look at Scripture, because you can just kind of go, me, am I going to read right through it? Look at these four words. He says, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, those are the four I want you to look And as they went, what happened? They were cleansed. Now, what does that mean? As they went. See, I think you could read that story real fast, and you go, Jesus said, hey, go show yourselves to the priests, because I'm cleansed you right now. He didn't do that. He said, go show yourself to the priests. That's all he said. And so they had to make a decision to start walking. And were they cleansed? No. As they walked, as they followed Jesus' instructions, they became clean. That's a huge deal. Do you see what's happening here? So here's a big thing. And you've heard us say this a lot around this place is that we really believe that there's a little thing that happens that's part of this faith life, this spiritual walk that seems so ethereal and strange to so many of us, is that when God prompts us, when he invites us, when he calls us, when he speaks to our conscience, when you, you know, like this happens in lots of different ways. It can happen when you're reading scripture. You can be reading, and a lot of us that do that, you'll read and all of a sudden that one verse just literally pops off the page and hits you and you know it's like right for you. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a Kensington service and I've had a person come up to me, usually with tears in their eyes, saying, I can't believe I came today. That service was exactly for me. It's like, did you know my life? You know, that wasn't, that's, by the way, that's not me. That's God speaking to that person powerfully, right? That happens to me when I go to movies sometimes or reading a great book or looking at a sunset. There's lots, all all sorts of things. When God speaks, here's the thing. When we hear, and in this story, Jesus said what? He said one word, go. 
that's what he told them. Go. And, the, and what's so important, this is what we say here all the time, is when you hear, do. Because see, it's one thing to hear a prompting from God. It's one thing to read Scripture and say, wow, that's really awesome. Jesus was a great teacher. It's another thing to read and he says, go, and you're like, seriously? You want me to leave that job? But I, I don't have the money to leave that job. Yeah, trust me. Go. It's another thing to be, wow, that was really inspiring and challenging, or leave the job. And that's a big deal. Hear and do. That's what the lepers did. I have a sneaking suspicion they stay in the cave, they don't get healed. See, Jesus never requires from us, like when he's going to forgive us or save us or transform us. It's very clear. Script, this is so, so amazing. It says to receive eternal life from Jesus. It says you can't do it by works. It's like you can't work harder to get it. It's a gift. You have to receive it, right? But it does require faith. It always requires faith. You cannot find eternal life in God and not put your trust in him. There's nothing you can do to work for salvation, but you have to put your trust in him. Hear the invitation and do. That was part of this recipe. Now here's another one in that same thing, <clears throat> along that same line. After they were leaving, it says, on the way, as they went, and I just want you to know this, all of us <clears throat> are on the way. We're all in a journey. We're all in an adventure. We're all in a battle. And it's real. And you're in the middle of it. And sometimes it goes easy. Sometimes it's killing you. Sometimes it's so scary. But on the way, as you go, I just want to encourage you, trust. As you go, trust. You say, well, why? Why should I do that? I, I bring in, I don't know why, but I feel like the last four times I've, I've given a message, I've used this passage. It's from 1 Corinthians 13. It's that love passage. I've shared it a lot recently, and you're like, seriously, again? But look at the last part. <clears throat> it says, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And you say, okay, well, that's nice. But here's the thing you've got to understand. Scripture is very clear, and I believe with all my heart, that God is love. His very being is love. You say, well, what is that right there? What's he do? Always protects. Always trusts. You? He trusts who you are. He trusts who you, he created you to be. He trusts who he can make you become through transformation in your life. He always hopes for that. He always perseveres with you. He never gives up on you. He always protects you. If God always protects you, how could I love him back? What if I trusted him, see? If he always is protecting me, I could trust him. Does that make sense? I could trust him. I could hope in him. I can persevere while I'm on the way, while I'm going through what I, whatever it is I'm going through. There's a great verse that has been so helpful. I would encourage you. There's a, you know, 
it's really interesting. I'm, I would challenge you, if you could memorize, like don't try to memorize the Bible, because you, you, that's going to just, that was kind of a joke. Don't do it. It's too much. <laughs> try to memorize like three or four verses. I'm not kidding. This would be a good one. They could change your life. Just three or four verses, okay? Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, so he's saying, as you're on the way, because, oh boy, right? On the, on the way, by prayer and petition, and here it is, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, with gratitude in your heart, present your request to God. So he's, he starts off and he says, now look, that's a huge statement. Don't be anxious about anything. It's, he's not saying it casually. He gets it. God knows what we're going through better than we know. And it's tough, super tough. But he says in every situation, by prayer, right? By prayer and petition, which is a call, a plea to God to give me what I need. With thanksgiving, though, see? With thanksgiving means every perfect gift comes from God. He always protects. See, I go back and I go, oh, God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. God, I'm hurting. I'm hurting big time. I went to Callie uh, just to kind of talk through the message with her, and I said, honey, I'm going to share that I really believe that gratitude is a choice. And without a blink, she, this, I'm just going to read you some of the stuff, because I think what she had to share is great. She probably should have done this message. She says, I call it a, a good habit. Gratitude is a choice. She goes, I call it a good habit. The habit of being grateful, instead the habit of being discontent. And then she said, you know what's interesting, Mark? She goes, tell them this because it's so true, that when you're a grateful person, you are always a blessing to other people. When you are grateful, you're always a blessing. She said, gratitude empowers you to see outside of yourself instead of being consumed with your issues. It's, I, you remember how last week, those of you that were here, we were talking about the, where Jesus said, do not judge, Right? And Mother Teresa had that amazing quote where she said, you can't judge and love at the same time. You just, it's like you can't do it. You can't go, I want to tell you something right now. You can't be doing that and loving them. I think it's very similar. I, I think gratitude's the same way. I don't think you can be thankful and have a heart full of gratitude and at that moment be super anxious. Now, I'm not saying that you aren't going to have an issue in your life that not going to go away and it's going to still be a huge battle for you i'm not saying that but you, do you see what i'm saying if your heart is grateful and thankful it's hard to be in a place of discouragement yesterday was a national adoption day some of you may know that not too many but we have uh, three adopted children in our family and so for us, you know, we were kind of watching this day, and on Facebook, there were lots of our friends who have adopted children that were posting pictures of their kids on Facebook, and they were just celebrating this new life in their family, and it was just, it was really fun. For us, um, yesterday, we went to Havenwick to spend just a few minutes with our youngest son, Michael who isn't able to be at home right now because he's struggling so much emotionally and mentally. And, and um, I'm, just, I'm just sharing, this is part of the on the way for me. And so we got there, 
And at this point, his precious little attention span is so short. But he was so happy to see us. And he just, you know, he said, Mommy, Daddy, come running down this hall. And, you know, all the nurses and everybody are walking around. And he jumps up and he hops into Callie's lap. And he just closed his eyes and he just hugged her. She just started telling him how much she loved him. And I got down on my knees and I was rubbing his back. And I said, love you, buddy. And his little lips started to quiver. He's been in there for a week. And we held him. There was nothing we could do. We couldn't fix it. But I thought, wow. Jesus has promised to love. He loves Michael. But there's something about in the, on the way, on the way, he healed the lepers. I mean, that's what I believe. I don't know what he's going to do with Michael. It's up to, he's God, I'm not. But I've seen God be so real to me in my life and a lot of really hard stuff that on one hand, Callie and I were a wreck. I'm just telling, we're a wreck. I mean, tears are running down her face. We're holding. And we leave and we get in the car and she just goes, I can't believe this. He might not be able to be with thanks and Thanksgiving dinner with his family you know this year and we just sat there and we didn't even drive out for about five minutes sit in the parking lot but the other reality is is that i can't think of anybody i'd rather have michael be resting in than in the arms of jesus i've just seen him do too much you're going to hear some stories today, people that are baptized, where he did something. Look what he did in Bob Kissing's life. Look what he's done in my life. God is so beautiful. He has given so much. He gave his own son to love us. Right? So there's part of me that I look at that and I was holding Michael and I'm like, what a privilege for me, seriously, to have experienced the precious love that he's given to our family because it's been amazing, even in his brokenness. But the privilege that we have, that he feels safe in our arms as his mom and dad. I just thought, wow, this is so beautiful, so hard, so unfinished, so much unknown, right? As you go, we can trust. Jaden, my eight-year-old, woke up at 3.30 in the morning. It's awesome. <clears throat> and she was scared of the dark. She and Michael share a room, and he wasn't there, so she was scared, so I went up and I played music for her for about a half an hour before she went to bed. And on my phone, man, love YouTube. <laughs> We're playing all this music. And then I kind of got nostalgic and I started going old school and playing this stuff that I, I hadn't, that was part of other decades of my life. And I just realized, yeah, I got a lot of decades now, you know. And I started listening to this one song and I ended up playing like five times in a row. It's an old song. I sang it at Kensington in 1990. I remember standing on the stage, Dave Wilson sitting on a stool playing acoustic guitar for me. As I look back on this road I travel I see so many times you carried me through and if there's one thing that I've learned in my life, my Redeemer is faithful and true. My Redeemer is faithful and true. 
Everything he has said, he will do. And every morning, his mercies are new. He's my redeemer, he's faithful and true. And I laid down in the chair. Oh, da, da, da. <clears throat> Five times played that song. And you know what happened? I became, <laughs> I became the one. I became the one in the story. And I fell at his feet in my chair. And I just gave thanks. I just thought, all the years, I don't have time to tell you stuff he's done for me and my family and my friends in this church. I just thought, man, he's never failed me. Not one time. So from a distance in your cave, cry for help. If you want to have a heart of thanks, giving and gratitude, you gotta, you got to receive. When you hear... His invitation, do. And on the way, as you go, trust. And fall at his feet. And give thanks. We're going to be doing baptisms now. And that's what's going to happen. You know one of the great parts of that story too? I think there's a truth. It's like the people that are freshest to the movement of God in their life are the ones that start telling about him, right? Those of us have been around God forever, you're like, yeah, I've been there doing that, right? But people that are new to Jesus can't stop talking about him. That was kind of like the leper. And we're going to have a chance at some people that have made a newer commitment to Christ, and they're going to share their story. Um, let me tell you what baptism is for those of you that may be kind of not, maybe new to the church thing. It's a symbol. Baptism is a symbol of a reality that happens in your heart. So, like a wedding ring is a symbol of your marriage. Like, here, here's my wedding ring. Yeah, I had to cut it off because my finger got too fat. I'm still married. You know, just as much married to Callie because the ring is what? It's a symbol of my marriage. Baptism is a symbol of what's happened in the heart. And I love this description of how it describes the meaning of our identification, what Jesus has done on the cross, and how he's doing that in our life. This resurrection of the dead. And it's from the, a version of the Bible called The Message. And it comes from the book of Romans. So Paul wrote this book. But listen to this. I just think it's worded really well. It says, that's what baptism, baptism into the life of Jesus means. We are lowered into the water. It is like the burial of Jesus. And when we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father, so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. I love that, grace-sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life, that selfish life. No longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. 
We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. He's speaking of eternal life. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. I love this. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. Isn't that a great way to explain it? That's what baptism is. It's a sign of going into the water as a sin-controlled person, coming out of the water with your sin forgiving and having the life of Christ at your disposal for transformation in His likeness. It's a beautiful thing. So the guys are going to sing. Danny, you're going to lead us in this awesome song talking about how this is... If I hope when God finds me that I would be found as the one, the one with a grateful heart and not one who is just dissed you, kind of doing my own thing. And then as, as the guys do play that song for a bit, we're going to have uh, four people come up and they're going to be baptized. And so we'll just celebrate that with them. Sound good? All right.